Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Well, praise God. How many of you came to receive today? All right. Now, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, well, let's, let me come at it from this angle. Um, I mean, no, he, your walk with God is about a relationship, not about religion, right? But if you don't watch it, sometimes we can get religious about some things and, uh, you know, about different things. Um, so when I'm asking you the question, did you come to receive, I'm not saying that religiously, amen, I'm hoping that you purposely have settled in your heart that you did come to here today, amen, and I believe for the most part that's true, that's why you're here, um, but sometimes, you know, we just, you know, if we don't really just settle it, you know, I'm here to hear, I'm here to grow, I'm here to be empowered, I'm here to be equipped, amen, sometimes we just kind of, you know, nonchalant. Uh, you know, casual approach to things, and then we don't leave with what we should be leading with. So that's why I ask the questions that I do in that. And uh, so today, uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to start. And this message has already been flipped around and changed about three or four times already this morning. And uh, so it probably, to be honest, I... I don't have a clue where it's going to end up today, um, but uh, I do know where we're supposed to start, and that's always a good thing. It's always good to know where you want to start. All right. <clears throat> Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 9, it says this, do you not know? Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to have to know some things. Yeah, you're going to have to know some things. Amen. Do you not know, praise God, do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize? Amen. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, the prize, right? Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. Amen. For, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now that word temperate, uh, maybe I'll just go ahead and give some definitions and then we're going to kind of See where it goes from here. But the word temperate means to exercise self-control or self-restraint. Um, in other words, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to run in such a way to obtain the prize, well, one of those things that's going to have to be working in your life is a thing called temperance. Come on. Self-restraint. Um, other words that fit this is things like conviction. You've got to be settled on some things. Um, it also refers to uh, drawing boundary, which is uh, pretty key. I think that'll probably be something that comes up for done here today, but you're going to have to draw some boundaries. You're going to have to settle some things if you're going to run this race. And by the way, um, you're going to have to run this race. I can't run your race, and you can't run my race, and I'm not asking you to run my race. I am asking you, though, to run your race. Amen. I find that when you run your race, things work better, and uh, hopefully that'll make more sense before we're done here today, but um, 
We're all called to run our race, praise God. Um, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things, you know, exercises self-control, restraint, amen. Now, they do it to, to obtain a perishable crown. In other words, talking about, you know, naturally speaking, those running a race, you know, they do it to, you know, for a prize, a natural prize and that kind of a thing. And that's why there's only one that wins, basically, how it works. But we do it for an imperishable crown, which means that we all have a race to run and we all can obtain a prize. The only difference, really, is whether or not you're going to run your race or run it in a way to obtain that prize. So you have to run this thing. Um, 2 Timothy 2 just brings out that a person that's in, you know, in athletics, that uh, he's only crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There's rules. Now, I'm a, I'm a track guy. I was. I, I can't say I am anymore because I'm not. I haven't been on a track in years, and uh, that would probably be embarrassing. But uh, I used to run um, when I was younger, uh, you know, from little, little squirt, I uh, I used to run Junior Olympics and uh, worked all the way in. And next thing you know, I'm running in junior high, high school, and college, and ran um, with uh, Division II schools, um, indoor uh, meets and outdoor meets. Um, enjoyed running, enjoyed uh, the sport. Um, I was a quarter miler, was my specialty. Um, did hurdles. Don't claim to be a hurdler, but because I was quick enough, I could do okay in the hurdles um, until I beached it, which had happened once in a while. Um, but um, if you're going to obtain a prize, you first foremost have to compete. See, there's a lot of people doing a lot of running, um, uh, but they're just running to the concession stand and back. And they think because they're running to the concession stand, they're competing. Years ago, uh, I was doing a message in um, Baton Rouge and um, uh, the church there, and and um, Spirit of God gave me a vision um, that morning, and a vision of a gentleman that was running, and I could see the man running, and um, um, it was kind of that whole, you know, chariots of fire thing, dun 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 dun. Uh, he's just kind of in stride, looking cool, and man, just suave as he's running. You know, the hair's just right, everything's just right, and he's just trucking along. And little by little, you could see coming into the picture, people coming up and getting closer and watching him run. And he's just all proud that he's staying with it and doing it. And, and man, everybody's just kind of looking and smiling at him, you know, and and he's just running away, just running, going after it. And pretty soon, you know, the, the picture kind of backed up. I could see more of the full picture. And we got this dingling running around the shot put pit. Now, if you don't know what a shot put pit is, it's a piece of concrete kind of off outside the you know, outside away from the track because nobody wants to get hit with a shot put. So it's a pit that's out back, and it's not very big. And this guy's running around this shot put pit. And all these people are coming up close watching him thinking, who's this dangling running around the shot put pit? 
All of a sudden, he didn't look so cool anymore. Are you hearing me? See, we got a lot of Christians running around the shot put pit, not running the track. Track's over there. Get on the track. See, a lot of people not competing. A lot of people are just running and got a lot going on, a lot on their plate, and they're going after it, but they're not competing. They're not in the race. They're called to run. Well, it happens. And, uh, you know, not only do you run and compete, but you got to do it according to the, the rules. There's a right way and a wrong way. One of the things I learned early on, um, you know, you can't jump the, jump the gun, think you're going to win. They'll blow the gun again, and depending on where you're at and what level you're at, sometimes they don't even give you a second shot. Earlier on, maybe younger uh, things, they'll give you one extra shot at it. And, uh, but uh, uh, when you get uh, you know, into college and stuff, a lot of times you're, you're done, depending on the, uh, the meet. And so you, here you are, an athlete that maybe has the potential to win that prize, but you're not competing according to the rules, so you, you lost out. Um, you, many of you have heard me testify testified before that of not being able to, you know, even though I won the race, not get the prize because I crossed the line one step too many. On a quarter mile, you're allowed on any kind of race, really, but the quarter miles is pretty much more notable or noticeable, I should say, um, that you every other step, you could step on the line, but you can't do it three steps in a row. You do it three steps in a row, you're disqualified. Well, you know, every time, you know, you're running, you're going to do everything you can, take advantage of everything you can. And so I'm, I'm usually right on that line, every other step on that line. And, uh, well, I, I get across the finish line. I break the tape. I won. Nope. There's a red flag on the back corner. Well, come to find out, I hit, I, I ran, hit that line three steps in a row, disqualified. I don't get nothing. Are you hearing me? That's a bummer because I ran the race. Amen. Now, we're called to win the race. Amen. Finish the race. We're called to race, and we're called to do it right. Can I hear some kind of amen in the house today? Amen. So when he says that we compete, amen, amen, according to the rules, that's what he's referring to. So back here in, in 1 Corinthians 9 again, everyone who... Uh, competes for the prize, is temperate in all things. Now, we do it to obtain a perishable prize, pro, uh, pardon me, a perishable crown, but, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, come on, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air. Amen. Now, the word uncertainty um, is referring to indecision or lacking sureness. It's referring to not having resolve, purpose, or aim. So, certainty would mean that you have you have aim. You have purpose. You know what you're doing. You know where you're going. You know what it's about. So not only do we need to have temperance, we've got to have some certainty about it, what we're doing. Uh, we're not as one that beats the air. Uh, you know, we're uh, shadow boxing, so to speak. I always think like a, a fighter, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you know uh, sometimes um, in boxing, now this, of course, is not necessarily referring to boxing, but sometimes in boxing, uh, one of the things that will wear a boxer out faster than anything is when they don't connect. Now, you'd think it would be the connecting that would, but in all honesty, a lot of times what wears them down is all the times they swing and miss. 
because they're putting all their energy into something that just basically didn't. And so they're just, they're just burning energy. And uh, we're not just called to burn energy. We're called to connect. We got purpose. Amen. And uh, so we're here to run this race. We not only do it with some, you know, with some, uh, um, you know, an understanding of, uh, you know, why we're doing it. Um, well, as you know, what was that first word again? Temperance. Amen. Restraint. Conviction. Drawing boundaries, but also with some certainty. Praise God. There we go. Verse 27. Now, we'll probably come back to some of these, but anyway. Verse 27, but I discipline my body. Now, some people think the word discipline is a dirty word, but it's not. I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, okay, or submission, amen, lest uh, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, the thing you need to understand about this word disqualified means it could happen. Anybody with me? It could happen. Now, we're called to end up being a vessel of honor that's sanctified and useful for the master, but sometimes what happens is we don't get in this thing, we don't do it right, and, and then we get disqualified. That word disqualified is defined as a, uh, unapproved, uh, castaway is even a word used, rejected, ineligible, inadequate, inept, not fit for service, uh, that kind of thing. We, we talked on that a little bit on a Wednesday night service, I believe it was just last week actually, uh, in, in, a, in what we were dealing with then. Uh, but the point is being made that uh, we're called to walk in temperance, amen, certainty, amen, and some discipline, amen. It's going to take that or we end up being disqualified. Are you still with me? Now, the word discipline here, let's define that, uh, you know, to, to subdue, uh, keep it under, uh, to buffet, not, not buffet. <laughs> some days I like to buffet my body. <laughs> but it's called to buffet it, amen, to bring it into compliance, amen, to bridle it, praise God. Now, when you talk about an athlete, these all make sense when you're dealing with an athlete. Uh, you know, if you're going to be on any kind of level, a lot of it's going to be dependent. Now, of course, you've got to have some ability, but in Christ you have that. Um, but, you know, an athlete, depending on what level he wants to go to, is going to determine how, how, how much he, you know, gives heed to this kind of thing, how much restraint. How much certainty, right? Come on, how focused he is, right? How disciplined he is. Are you still with me? It's going to take that if you're going to run this race and you're going to finish this race. Well, that's no different than you and me. All right? We're going to have to stay disciplined. All right? Put, uh, if you will, put the Philippians 3 up on the board. Um, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, there's a lot more in this text, but um, because of where we're headed, I thought this would be good just to bring this verse out. I press toward the goal. Everybody say press. Now, press. Okay, press, um, when you look this up, uh, press is implying um, that there's, you know, resistance. It's implying that there's pressure. We press toward the goal, which means it may not always be easy. Now, according to the Scriptures, there's simplicity in Christ. So it's a simple thing, but it may not always be an easy thing. 
because it does cost you. You know, we start talking about, you know, discipline. You know, I mean, come on. You know, you got to get on that treadmill. I don't like treadmills. You know, I don't like watching what I eat. I mean, I like to watch what I eat. You know, that's a seafood diet. <laughs> I can see it as it's going in. You know, I enjoy that, you know. Uh, but uh, sometimes you have to actually, you know, watch your diet. Are you hearing me? And it takes discipline. And it's not always fun. Um, you know, certainty, being focused, you know, you know being, having some resolve, some aim, some purpose. Amen. Uh, it takes a little bit of discipline in itself. Am I right? You know, thinking about temperance, restraint, conviction, drawing boundaries. Um, you know, it takes, it costs a little bit to do that. And um, a lot of folks um, don't settle it. They don't draw boundaries. They want to live for God. And they assume they're running the race, but they have no boundaries. Now, I'm going to ask another question. Are you sure you came with an ear to hear today? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. See, a lot of times, folks, uh, you know, you know, say they want to serve God and Love God and all that, and that's great. We want people to say that instead of something else. But then it comes down to the wire is you're going to have to do this serve thing. You're going to have to actually run your race. But you don't understand, Pastor. I got things going on. Well, I know. Don't we all? I'm going to make a statement here, and um, I know there's a, a few of you in here I've had recent conversations with, so please... Uh, Show some mercy to your pastor today. Um, but the only reason I bring it up is because it's a comment that I've heard for 30 years in ministry. Um, I couldn't even tell you how many times I've heard it. So it just kind of jumped at me uh, this last week. Uh, after having about, there's probably in the last two weeks, I've had three different people have conversations, and they all said the same thing. And they all said this. They said, life just happens. Life just happens. And, uh, okay, I know what they're getting at. But you know, when you run your race, your life won't run you over. See, because it's going to take temperance, certainty, and discipline. You're going to have to draw some boundaries. You're going to have to settle some things. Because if you don't, life will run you over. So you have to settle it. Well, you just don't understand, Pat. No, I totally understand. I understand it better than you do. Because I've heard those excuses hundreds and hundreds of times. 
And I've seen what happens to folks that just let life run them over. Most of them ain't serving God anymore. Because there was no restraint, there was no certainty, and there was no discipline. So life just runs you over. Listen, one of the greatest, greatest defenses that you have against pressure, life's pressure, is restraint. You have restraint. I don't do that. I don't go there. I always go to church. You knew I was going to bring that up. <laughs> right? See, if you have no restraint, everything else starts running you over pretty soon. You don't have time for this, time for that, time for this. And little by little, you're backing up and don't even know it. You're not even in the race anymore. And you're called to finish your race. You have to run your race. I don't run your race. And I refuse to run your race. I will run mine. And I'm believing, amen, you will run yours. Amen. You're not called to run anybody else's race. Whew. A lot of times, you know, we get going along and we don't realize it. Pretty soon we're the, we're the EMT guys, the firemen, the police guy. You know, we're the, you know, the guy that fixes everything. We're the handyman. Come on. Pretty soon, something comes up, and woo, we run over here, take care of it. Something else pops up. Woo, woo, we run over there and fix that. Come on. We're running all over the place fixing this, getting that right, getting this right. And don't you walk out here saying that we don't help people, don't fix things, don't. Come on now. But I've found that a lot of times we're too busy trying to somehow fix everything else for everybody else that we don't have time to run our race. So we don't run our race. We're running all over the place. We're busy as all get out. We're extending energy. We're sweating up a storm. But we're not running our race. We're too busy trying to run everybody else's race. Now, that's a dangerous place to be. Somebody said, well, you just don't understand. No, 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 I do understand. Well, listen, you know. Uh, you know, I just have to take care of that. That's fine. I, I, I understand you got things going on. and You know, um, you're not their Savior. Now, that's easy to receive when it's that ornery cuss of an uncle you don't like. Because who gives a rip about him? 
He's an ordinary cuss anyway. But what if it's your kid? I'm, I'm trying to make eye contact with everybody because it makes ner everybody nervous when we talk about their kids. Oh, how about your grandkids? You're not their savior. Now, praise God for our little sugars and our little grand sugars. We love them, don't we? Praise ye the Lord. Amen. But sometimes they're just as ornery as that ornery cuss of an uncle you got over there. And all they want to do is take. And they abuse and mistreat. And here we are letting an unsaved or a non-serving believer control your and dictate your schedule. Dangerous place to be. Aren't you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Now, that's a dangerous thing. Pretty soon what happens is you stop running your race because you're too busy trying to fix everything. Just because you're fixing something for somebody else don't mean you're running your race. Pretty soon you're too tired now. Well, it does get tiring. Life wasn't designed to be some obstacle course for you. I took the time, I looked this up, I, just for whatever it's worth, okay? Um, life. Okay, what does life mean? Well, the word life, when you look it up, it just means an individual's animate existence. It means a being or in being, which refers to a normal everyday existence, okay? Living this thing, walking this thing. Now, that's just everyday normal life out there. An individual's animate existence. But according to this book, that's not the life we're supposed to live. We live a life called Zoe life, which means absolute life. Come on, somebody, is defined as absolute life or pure life, which means the absence of death. When it talks about absolute, it means the absence of things like death, darkness, curse, all right? Zoe life is abundant life. It's the life of God. Jesus called it abundant life. In fact, we'll go there. John 10.10, 10, put that up there. Jesus called it the abundant life. Paul called it the life of God in Ephesians. Amen. Abundant life. John 10, 10 says that, uh, actually, there it is. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. How many know that to be true? Jesus kind of cleared it. The enemy comes to take. That's what he does. Now, if the enemy can convince you to get all caught up with everything, if we're not, if we're not, if we haven't got things settled, if there is no drawing boundaries, no temperance or self-control, if there is no certainty or purpose or aim, if there is no discipline, 
what happens is he gets you running all over the place, and pretty soon the idea is to get you so wore out, so beat down that you don't even realize that all of a sudden the thief now has taken over. He's stealing, he's killing, and he's destroying. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Everybody say life. And not just any life. He said a life uh, that, that's more abundant. Amen. An abundant life. Are you with me? Now, I don't know. Did I give you any other like translations on that? Let's, give me a one. Of them. Let's see what we got. The message translation here. Um, let's see here. Yeah, go down. Let's go down like verse 10 here. There we go. Let's see. Is that right? Right. The, the next, we'll go to the next one. The thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Jesus said, I come that they may have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I like that. Now, somebody says, well, Pastor, you just don't understand. Listen, listen, listen. He understands. See, if we're constantly, because we have no boundaries, no discipline, we have no, uh, you know, no focus, what happens is the enemy runs you all over the place, you wear out, now you're no longer running your race, you're no longer being, you know, filled up to even be a benefit to somebody that's hurting. Now, I don't believe we live our lives based on circumstances. I may agree with that. I don't believe it for a second. But as a pastor, I've seen a lot of circumstances. And a lot of people come, a lot of people go. And it grieves your heart. Some people, it's legitimate. They, they know in their heart they have to do this. This is what God's called them to do. And praise ye the Lord. We send them on their way, praying, praise God with them, you know. And they're doing great. But the ones that just leave for whatever reasons, because they're too busy chasing fires or too busy whatever, they're no longer serving God, most of them. And it's sad. It grieves my heart. The enemy comes in, starts doing what he does. Because they're no longer in a race. See, the greatest defense that you have against pressure, against life out there, is having some restraint, settling it. I go to the house of the Lord. That's what I do. I serve God. That's what I do. I pray. That's what I do. I seek God. That's what I do. Come on now. I read my Bible. That's what I do. Well, there's things coming up. They will have to wait. It's an emergency. They always say it's an emergency. Everybody says it's an emergency. Restraint. Discipline. Why? Because I want to have something in me that can actually help them. See, life just happens to you, but Zoe life happens through you. 
And you have to settle it. How are you going to live life? With Zoe power to get something done? Or are you going to be like everybody else and be depleted? Oh, you got fire insurance. You're going to heaven, praise the Lord. But I want to have more than just fire insurance. And I'm not mad. Sometimes you just got to toss that out there. You know, um, the thing I've seen a lot of times over the years um, is you you get so caught up chasing everything, fixing everything, in case the house of God takes a back seat, the word of God takes a back seat, your your praise takes a back seat, your, uh, you know, your, uh, you know, you just, everything just starts taking a back seat because you're, you're too busy trying to fix this and handle this and deal with this and deal with that because you got no boundaries. But you get going, but pretty soon, here's the problem. Pretty soon, you don't have anything to give. You got nothing now because you, you never get yourself, never get your tank filled back up. You never, you never get yourself, you know, full. Now, here's the deal. It's inevitable. Pretty soon you want to start talking to them about why they need to be in church. And then they look at you and go, you don't go. They look at you. You say, you need Jesus. They look at you and they go, you ain't got anything more than I got. And then we kind of start coming up with an excuse because somehow we got to justify our lack of discipline. Instead of just repent and get right, we have a tendency to try to justify it. But see, now you're on dangerous ground because here's what happens. See, you're going to be guilty of doing something. If you don't watch it, now you're making a stumbling block for that next person because you're too busy trying to justify your lack of discipline or your lack of restraint or your lack of certainty. And if you think you won't answer for that, read the book. Because now it's no longer about your own life, your own race. Now you've affected the race of another because you became a stumbling block. Listen, I've seen it happen. I've seen leaders. I've lost leaders because of that kind of stuff. Because somebody else they respected made a comment. And then they start justifying everything. And I knew when it happened, I'm going, oh, God. Ain't good. Pretty soon, they're pulling back. They're no longer involved. Next thing you know, I got some of them not even serving God. They were a leader. Somebody said, well, Pastor, that never happened to me. Uh, Give me Joshua 24. That'll never happen to me. Well, I hope it never does. <clears throat> now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Verse 15. <clears throat> and, is, and if it seems evil to you, in other words, it's, it's not too much to ask. You know, serve the Lord. 
Choose for yourself this day. Everybody say, choose for yourself. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. Now, everybody knows the tail end of that verse. But in context, the second generation that came out of Egypt, that got delivered out of Egypt, the first generation, remember, because of their own choices and decisions, they wander in a wilderness for 40 years. That generation died except for two men. Okay? The next generation now goes in, takes the promised land. Okay? They go in, they take Jericho. God does a glorious thing. We have a little mishap at Ai because they found out something. They dealt with that issue. They go back. They have 31 or 32 consecutive victories after that. They get done. One of the biggest things that had to happen for Joshua is not only did Joshua have to go take the land, he now has to divide the land. Make sure everybody has their portion. All right? That's all done. So now he asks all the leaders and actually anybody that wanted to come because there was a lot of folks that came, but he for sure wanted all the leaders of everything, of all the different tribes, I want you all to come, and he addresses them. Let's go back to verse 14 again. Uh, he's asking them to fear God, to have a reverence for God, to serve Him in sincerity and in truth, which means there's a lot of people that serve Him maybe not so much in, the, in sincerity and in truth. They maybe grumble and gripe about it. And put away the gods. Now, why would He tell them to put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river? Because there's probably a chance that some of them haven't put them away. And you'd think they'd learn, right? I mean, you'd think, come on. Everything you've seen, everything you've been around, everything you've been a part of, all the signs and wonders and miracles that God has done. I mean, how many things has God done for you? And yet sometimes, see, we can be the same way. Next thing you know, we're not, we're not putting any reverence towards God. It's toward everything else. Everything else now has a higher priority. Serve the Lord, verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. In other words, if this, you know, you know, hopefully this doesn't seem like it's too much. You know, I'm asking you today even. You know, I know today may kind of a serious word maybe, uh, maybe. But, you know, if it seems evil to you, if it, if it you know, if it, you know, if it, if it's not too much to ask, you know, Serve God. Choose for yourselves. Set a boundary. Choose for yourself this day. This day. He's talking to me. He said, listen, serve God. Choose today what you're going to do. Don't walk away from here going, yeah, we'll see. Settle it. Draw a boundary. I serve God. I read my Bible. I pray to the, the God above, the creator of the ends of the earth. I actually carry on conversation with him daily. 
I settle it. I go to church. I settled it before I became a pastor. That's probably why I got it. I was always there. Well, we got to give it to somebody. Let's make him do it. He's always here. We know he'll come open the doors. Whatever. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods uh, uh, which your fathers on the other side served or maybe the gods. That, remember, they took, they took all this land. He said, are you going to pick up the gods of, from this land? He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, anytime you come around here, you're going to know one thing. We serve God here. We serve God. That's what we do. We serve God here. We serve God. Me and my household serve God. We serve God. You're in my household, you serve God. You want to leave? Fine. You're in my household, you serve God. That's what we do. Now, when you go off into your own household, you make your decision what you're going to do. But when life turns into a sucky deal, because you're not serving God, remember these words. Life is miserable outside of God. Now listen, a lot of folks go out and they live their life and they get the life, come on, based on the choices and decisions. Now, nobody wants to see their kids having a hard time. None of us do. If you're any kind of father, any kind of mother, nobody wants to see their kid going through hell. Nobody does. It tears your heart out. But what if you just let it happen and you keep running your race? No, 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 no. See, life sucks outside of God. And you keep fixing it. Let them find out life sucks outside of God. Now listen, if God leads to do something, then by all means, you get over there, you do what you got to do, but you don't want to serve God? I'm telling you, this is what happens. Things start falling apart. The enemy comes, steals, kills, destroys. Well, mom will fix it. I don't see that verse. Where's that verse at? <laughs> now, I know. I know I'm on thin ice with all of you right now. I get it. I get it. But maybe I might actually save. You might actually get to the end and get your prize. So uh, to me, I, you know, you can thank me later. Because I just assume you get to the end of your race. Because if your kid doesn't, that's on your kid. Now, I know that sounds pretty harsh. 
but it's true. And if why would you want to give up your race because your kid or your relative or your family member or your best friend or your work partner or whoever it is decides they don't want to serve God? Is it worth you giving up your prize? You still are accountable to run your race. And when you're not running your race, not only does it affect your life, it affects everybody else's life that's counting on you to run your race. Man, I hope I get this one done today. When uh, Joshua was addressing them, they actually got offended at him. (laughs) They're like, dude. Don't you know who you're talking to? We're the ones that came in with you in the promised land. We got the promised land together, man. Don't you know? Huh? He said, as I said, If you want to finish this, you're going to have to keep serving him and not these other things. They were like, dude. You've been out in the sun too long. So what happened? It didn't take long. Read history. They get a promised land. They're not even a generation down and they're already doing things that begin to, they, they lost their covering. It didn't take long. We, somehow we think, well, you know, it's just a service. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just a midweek service. Well, I'm sorry, that's the way you look at it. I actually sought God and got a word from God for you. But I know it doesn't mean nothing. And I ain't here, you know, looking for some, whoa, a pat on the back. I just think it's amazing how we somehow justify things. Listen, there's nothing wrong with family time and vacations. I think everybody should get one. I think everybody should get to go to Disneyland. Get to go to the coast. I think everybody should have every kind of toy you could think of in the garage. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with any of it. Until all of a sudden you start thinking, well, you know, I got a boat. And, you know, if you're going to have a boat, well, you got to go boating. I think it's great. I, I think everybody should get to go boating. I think we should all have a boat on the lake and race each other. Yeah. yeah. I'm not against any of that. But all of a sudden, it just starts taking priority. Now... It's 
starting to dictate your, your day planner. That's where we have trouble, Bubba. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. No, I totally understand. It's subtle. Now he's saying, I can't go boating. No, no. Go boating all you want to. And I'm going to love you. I said last week, remember, I'm going to be here with my arms open. <laughs> Bring it in. And I'm not even a hugger. <laughs> I'm still going to hug you. Because I love you. And I'm going to do, why? Because I'm going to run my race. And some of you are really counting on that. And I'm going to be here every week. Because that's what I do. I'm running my race. Amen. Unless I'm in Disneyland. <laughs> but what happens is, see, we, when we're not running our race, pretty soon, you know, it's, a lot of times it comes down to this. Somebody's not running their race. The next thing you know, you're trying to help or whatever, and now you're not running your race. And the next thing you know, it starts affecting because nobody, nobody's running a race. But we're called to run a race. We're called to, you know, we're called to, you know, finish this thing. And man, I don't want to get there and go, well, it's good to see y'all. And I guess none of you finished your race. That's a pooper. <laughs> I said, gosh, I told him to finish the race. I told him to stay with it. And you're not going to be able to say, you know that pastor? Mm-hmm. He's going to say, no, your pastor ain't the problem. Because he ran this race. He's going to look at you and say, you have to run your race. Well, well, I would if it wasn't for my kids. He said, no, that's on them. You have to run your race. Well, it wouldn't be, if it wasn't for my grandkids, I would have ran my race. I ain't going to fly. And even though, and I'm sure Jesus loves all the little children, right? Not down on kids. Not down on family. He's not down on Disney. I hope not. Anyway, he's not down on all these things. He's not down on boating. He's not down on hunting. He's not down on any of that. It's all wonderful, right? It's long. It is. It's actually all a part of the abundant life. It is. It's, it's, it's weaved in all of it. Yeah, good girl. Now I'm preaching, so sit down. What life you want. So you can either let life happen to you or you can let life happen through you. That's your choice. But now here's the key, okay? But here's the key. We'll close it with this. Possibly. <laughs> put uh, Deuteronomy 30. I think I put that one up there. And then I'm gonna um, and then I'm gonna do that one of Colossians, okay? So Verse 20 of Deuteronomy 30, he says this, that you may love the Lord your God 
that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. How many of those are all good things to do? Why? Why do we do that? Why? It says right there, what is it? Why? Because he is your life. Now, now listen, he, he clarifies it. He says, and the length of your days. He's not talking about life like the 120-year life. He's talking about the life that you're called to. He is your life. Now, I don't remember which trend. I think it's the New Living. I think brings it out pretty cool way. Uh, it says that this, that this is the key to life, is making him your life. See, when you make him your life, it's the key to life. Now, put Colossians chapter 3 up there. We'll, this, now we'll close. If then you were raised with Christ, anybody know Jesus? Yes. Seek those things which are above. That's probably a good idea. Where Christ is, right? Seated right now at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, right? Come on. So you're going to have to, you see, what it is, you've got to be disciplined about this. Otherwise, your mind, see, your mind's going to go somewhere. Your mind's going to be set on something. You're going to give your attention to something. Okay, but you have to determine what you're going to give attention to. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3, for you died. What? Wait, wait, whoa, 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 what? Huh? You died. Huh? Is anybody a new creation in here? The old man dead. New man come alive. Amen. Before you died and now your life is hidden with Christ. In God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears or manifests. Okay, he's just talking about every day. He's not talking about someday in the sweet by and by. He's not. He's dealing with everyday living. The more you give attention to him, the more you look to him, the more you set your mind on, the more he begins to reveal himself and appear. And the more that happens, it says, then you also, something begins to happen to you. You also begin to come into who you are with him in glory. Amen. Literally means in the splendor of glory. In other words, when you begin to connect, when, when he is your life, then your life just gets better. And all of a sudden, all that he has begins to manifest on your behalf. Everything he reveals now is revealed in you, through you, around you, hallelujah, for you, and for anybody else around you, praise God. Woo! But the key to life is making him your life. All the other stuff will fit in there. It'll work. How to deal with the kids, how to deal with the hobbies, how to deal with your time, your energies, your efforts, your finance, your business. It all begins to fit. It all begins to work when he's your life. But when you're just going to let life just happen to you, all you've done is let the devil just happen. Let the curse just happen. Tell me, well, now wait a minute. Now let me ask you something. Does anybody mow their yard? Now, some of you I know don't. Your brother John, he, somebody else mows his yard out there. Praise the Lord. Eagle Chris, right? Is that what they, don't somebody else mow your yard? Yeah, praise the Lord. I think I'm going to move out there just for that. No, I, I don't mind mowing too much. Well, well, okay. But anyway, 
We have rabbits that keep ours down. And then the dog eats it. And then, never mind, no. <laughs> it's a food chain thing, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, let's leave that one alone. Anyway, um, so anyway, um, you know, if you don't mow your yard, what happens? Now, is it just grass that grows? Has anybody ever seen Gary's yard? I don't think there's a weed one in that yard. <laughs> Gary, do you just let it happen, or do you take a little time, you know, to get it to look like that? A little bit, a little bit of time. Does anybody have a garden? We have one. <laughs> Trudy, do we have to have a garden? Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever trips your trigger. All right, so gardens, if you just leave them alone, they... And I'm thinking, where do these come from? <sighs> but see, when you just don't attend to it, you know, I'm in the house, I don't notice. <laughs> but I go outside and I notice. So I go back inside. Because <laughs> I don't want to notice. Because something else is taking over the garden. So you got to go out there, you got to work at it. You got to be disciplined to water it. Pluck them little boogers that are not supposed to be in there. Right? And it's just like work. I like, I have five acres. I, I love it until it's time to weed whip. I'm thinking, why did I do this? There was no brains to this. What Something happened. I wasn't thinking when I signed on the dotted line. But on days that, you know, secluded and what? When Trudy's weed whipping, it's, oh, I love this property. Okay, how about this? What happens to a marriage that's not attended to? <laughs> Get out the weed whip, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I need a little roundup. <laughs> yeah. But see, if you don't attend to it, what happens? It's, it's just automatic. See, life, see, that's when we start saying, life just happens. Well, it doesn't have to. If we, we hook up and make Him our life, it's through us, all of a sudden you got what you need to see to it that life don't just happen to you, but rather through you. 
but he's got to be your life. And to, in order to do this, it takes you running your race, and you're going to have to be, you know, have some restraint. You're going to have to have some, some purpose, and you're going to have to have some discipline about it because everything under the sun wants to pull on you and take your time, get you pointed in another direction. And if you don't have any kind of boundary, it's just there it goes. Sometimes the thing that keeps your life the most in check is just the fact that you set a boundary. I pray. That's what I do. I seek God. I read my Bible. I go to church. That's what I do. Everything else will fall into that. Man, we got through that. Wow. Look at your neighbor and say, you've made it. Did you get some today? Praise the Lord. All right. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That was, you know, we got food in the other room cooking, and we have a leaders meeting, and everybody else is probably thinking, I thought potluck's in a month. Oh, yeah. Somebody's been back in the kitchen, been nibbling on things. You smell that food, it's like, whew, thank you, Lord. But anyway, praise the Lord. You get something today? Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise and glory once again. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word and these principles. And Father, I thank you for this congregation. Thank you they had an ear to hear today. Father, forgive us for the times that we've kind of, maybe we just weren't running our race like we should have been. We know that you're faithful and just to forgive, and we receive that, and we thank you for that, sir. Lord, we choose life here. We choose you. We choose you. As for us and our households, we, we serve God. That's what we do. We choose you regardless. So, Father, I thank and praise you for a people that have got restraint, they've got focus, and they've got discipline. And I believe with all my heart, come one day, we're all rejoicing together before the Master. Amen. Knowing that we finished and finished right. For that I give praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.